Bitley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That boy's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports, presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. To play or not to play? That was the question. Suns head coach Monty Williams very easily could have taken the path many other NBA coaches are taking this week and rested players as teams power down only to gear up for the playoffs. He didn't. All the starters played. They played a lot. Turns out they needed to to ensure a seventh straight win over a bunch of yes, and here's that word again, plucky Denver Nuggets, 119-115 at Footprint Center. Kevin Durant had 29 points and nailed six three-pointers while playing 40 minutes and 38 seconds, the most time he's logged in a Phoenix uniform in a single game. Chris Paul continued to take open threes and continued to knock them down, hitting a career-high seven in the win. Paul's evolution in the Phoenix offense is the most interesting thing to watch and maybe the most pertinent development to take from last night's game. Over his last 10 games, CP3 is shooting 45% from three-point range on over five attempts per game. That is significant because with more time on the floor with Durant and Devin Booker, he figures to see a healthy number of open threes in the playoffs. You can certainly argue that Williams should have rested players last night as they all had to tax themselves late to get a win. But let's face it, the want-to on defense wasn't there for most of the night for the Suns. Denver feasted in the paint, scoring 66 points on 66% shooting. Bruce Brown basically had a personal layup line going. I can't blame the Suns' collective defensive mentality. I mean, why risk anything? I know players can get hurt at any time on the floor, but busting it defensively in the third to the last regular season game with really nothing to play for doesn't make much sense. Phoenix players were still talking after the game about figuring things out with their shiny new toy in the lineup, a toy that should definitely be put back in its box for safekeeping tonight and Sunday afternoon. That's Vinny's View. It's brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize, proud nutrition partner of the Phoenix Suns. Um, Like I said before, you can't um, hold on to that level of conditioning when you have a week off. You can try, but along with the conditioning, you got the emotion of the game, you got the competition emotion. There's a lot of things that you can't replicate in a practice. We'll do our best, um, but the bottom line is uh, I think every team that has to wait a week is going to lose some conditioning, so we're going to be in the same position if you're in that spot where you know who you're going to play from Sunday to Saturday or Sunday to Sunday. Monty Williams, again, the myriad of questions that he faces on how do you get a team ready for the playoffs when you have that built-in week uh, week off, when you're locked into your spot, when you've got two regular season games left to navigate through, including one tonight in Los Angeles, Tim, against the Lakers, a team that needs a win. They don't want to play in that play-in tournament. They want to get into a best-of-seven. So the Lakers might play everybody they have, and I would be shocked to see the Suns do likewise. Well, unfortunately for the Lakers, we're hearing that there's a chance that LeBron and AD may not play. So I don't know what the hell they're doing. I I don't know what Darvin Ham is thinking. We'll see ultimately what happens. Before the Clipper game on Wednesday night, there was talk that LeBron and AD were not going to play, but they ultimately did. Didn't matter Mm -hmm. as the Clippers handled them uh, pretty well. well, That was a scheduling loss, though. That was a scheduling loss. That was not. That was not the. The Clippers didn't win that game. Amazing defense. Adam Silver won that game. Yes, (laughs) that's right. For the Suns, Vinny. 
you know, again, we talked about it in the six o'clock hour. The, the idea of okay, what, what what weighs more heavily in terms of you know Monty Williams' decision making is it is it experience and conditioning and gelling uh, with KD in the lineup versus the injury risk? Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, sitting there watching that game last night, I, I, I don't know I don't know what the Suns were gaining from a gelling standpoint. That was not a very well played uh, basketball game. I don't yes, think so. yes, Chris Paul uh, continues to evolve as a spot up shooter. There was something there uh, they could take from that game. Uh, maybe handling a little bit adver- of, of adversity uh, in the fourth quarter to somehow get a win. But again, you did it against a much inferior team talent wise. So I'm not sure how much you gained that way. To me, uh, at this point, you're almost risking injuries. Listen, if Mike Malone can sit his entire team down and not worry about the conditioning aspect. They're all going to have a week off no matter what. Whether or not the Suns play their starters tonight and on Sunday, they're all taking a week off. Well, and this has been an extended period of this happening for the Nuggets. I mean, they yes, there's been some injuries mixed in, but Jokic hasn't played a lot. Murray hasn't played a lot. There's so they're they're probably going to be like close to 2 weeks off for a lot of those guys for the Nuggets as the number 1 seed and Again, there's no tried and true way to do this and guarantee results. It's still very much a crapshoot. But I'm with you. Like I, I had a lot of the same feelings last night. It was like, wow, looking at the minutes played and the minutes played. Kevin Durant. You know, I was expecting if if the starters played, maybe they'll go 20 minutes. But again, the competitive juices kick in. He played 40 minutes and 38 seconds, and he said he was actually glad to get that. Yeah, most definitely. I felt good always, but it's always um, good to log in some um, some deep, some late game minutes. 40 is something. 40 is a number I love. You know, I like hovering around that number. Um, but, yeah, coach told us before the game that he was going to try to get us some reps in. So it was good we was able to play a, a late game and, you know, have to make some meaningful plays down in the fourth. So it's good good for us. Yeah, and he loves that number. Guess what? You're going to see a lot of 40-pluses for Kevin Durant in, in the playoffs. And if you look at his, his playoff history... There's, he'll play a whole game if he needs to. Yeah, and again, looking at the quality of play last night, just not playing with an edge, not playing with that defensive intensity. Devin Booker beginning the game one for eight, making only three field goals in the game, allowing the Nuggets to score 66 points in the paint. I, I, I would, if I were Monty Williams, I would look at what he got out of his starters last night from an intensity standpoint and say to myself, okay, now it's the second night of a back-to-back. We're going to hold these guys back tonight. I'd, yeah. be, I'd be shocked if those guys play tonight. Well, we'll see what he does against the Clippers in the matinee on Sunday in the finale. I'd be shocked if they played in that game as well. Yeah. Here was Monty Williams' response to the, the the question about tonight in Los Angeles against the Lakers as far as the starters go. We, we won't talk we won't make that assessment right now official at all, but we're gonna, you know, get on the plane and talk to our guys and see what's best. Um, you know, it may make sense to play them a half, you know, it may make sense to do something else. We're not quite sure. Um, there's people that have acronyms by their name that I'm not qualified to have by my name that are a lot smarter than I am. And so I'll, I'll listen to all the information and we'll have something in place by um, tomorrow. That's his decision. Come on, and James is as well, but it's his decision. And I think there's feedback from the players, too. And I think there was probably feedback last night. on How do you guys Should want, there to, be, want though? to approach this? Should there I don't be? know. I, I think Monty's situation on this front is different from other coaches, too, because you're talking about two of your four top players 
having a lot of miles on the tires. Yeah. Kevin Durant and, and Chris Paul. So what does a week off for them do in that conditioning department that maybe a younger player is not going to deal with the same way? There's so many different variables yeah. here. I don't think he meant acronym either, unless he's talking to somebody from NASA or NATO. <laughs> I think he meant just initials. Yeah, like, you know, when you see, uh, or, or ACE, the, the casting experts. I don't even know what ACE stands for, but when I read movie credits, it's always on there. Yeah, that's, I'm going to look that up. Casting expert. ESQ. Esquire. Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> Acronym. Uh, there you go. Uh, Vinny's View, again, brought to you by Revitalized Weight Loss and Wellness. Suns and Lakers tonight in the second to last regular season game of the year. Coming up next, Cardinals getting ready for the draft and trying to patch a lot of things up after a tumultuous season last year. And a central figure in that tumultuous season is public and speaking for the first time. Former general manager Steve Kime is talking. We'll tell you what he had to say next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring and for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I think he he still needs to grow, and yeah. and it's not a again it's not slanted towards his, his character. He he is not a bad guy. He's yeah. a really good kid, has a good smile, and has a nice way about him. Um, I think it's like anything. Guys have to continue to learn what it's going to take to be great. You know, does does he know what Peyton Manning and Tom Brady know knows what it takes to be great? No. Um, does he work? He does work. Um, I think it's just that side of the uh, the game, the the, the film stuff study the attention to detail part that he can continue to prove upon and I think he will because um, Kyler's a proud guy man he doesn't want to he doesn't want to lose and he doesn't want to um, let people down so you know I think his best ball is ahead of him I think they need to be creative and do the right things with him offensively but you know I think that the best ball is ahead of him and I think he'll get it right but like I said it's just to me in that area of watching film studying the game attention to detail uh, I think that's the area where he can vastly improve former Cardinals GM Steve Kime on the Green Light Podcast with uh, Chris Long. Before we get back to that, Sarah Palooza continues today. That was my, I almost forgot about it. Yeah. Sorry. What do we got here? I know that, I know this, uh, I, I know the beat, but where, where's this from? This is Dua Lipa levitating. Okay. Jordan Ham, four for four so far. He knows you. It's weird. My I, husband knows me. I think you kids are going to make it. <laughs> You two should get married. Oh, kissy, kissy, more, Sarah more, more. and George. Why don't you marry him? <laughs> Fine. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Steve Kime, public again, talking about Kyler Murray there. We had that cut yesterday late in the show of him talking about Kyler Murray. And this, there's so many things that you could pick apart and really read between the lines. But, you know, a lot of it focuses on And that's on what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. That's what we do on this show. Tim yeah. Ring in for Vic today here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. The part where um, Steve Kime says his best ball is ahead of him, but I think they have to be creative on offense. And do you like that part? Gear it toward his yeah. strengths. Is that a suggestion that that didn't maybe happen? Of course it is. Everything he said there is a suggestion that stuff wasn't happening. Everything he said there. Everything he said there. Isn't that, after the fact, like 10 more levels of frustrating? It it bothers me. 
If, if, if Steve Kime thought that Cliff Kingsbury wasn't using Kyler Murray right, why didn't he tell him that? Why didn't he tell him that? Why or maybe he, he did and Cliff didn't listen. And then all, you know, all the talk about the, the work ethic or the study habits of, of Kyler Murray that have dragged on now for about a year. Well, they did have a problem with that. They put it in the contract. Yeah, but uh, let's get back to the contract. Maybe that's why no. Steve Kime just stopped showing up. He couldn't take it anymore. Nothing make nothing about the last year of the Arizona Cardinals makes one iota of sense. By the way, can I get back to Steve Kahn saying he's got a nice smile? What the hell has that got to do with anything? It reminds me in Moneyball, in that scene when the scouts are sitting around, the old-time scouts. Mm-hmm. He's got a good face. He's got a nice face. You remember that? Yes. Like, what the hell are you talking about? He's got a nice face. Like, that's how we're judging baseball players now? That's not how Billy Bean did it. He looked at one thing. On yeah. base percentage. That was it. Yeah. Maybe that was his Gets way of on saying base. Kyler has a positive attitude. He's got a nice smile. You guys don't talk. Nice I'm going to point at Pete again. Yep. <laughs> Gets on base. Euclid, the god of walks. So, but I, I hear film study, attention to detail, studying the game. These are things where you can improve. Steve is saying those things because clearly those continue to be an issue or continued yes. to be an issue towards the end of Steve Kimes. Ten years, GM Jared, as somebody who poured through the whole podcast episode, mm-hmm. I think it was over an hour. Correct? Yes. This is not a podcast that featured a lot of inside dirt on the Arizona Cardinals. This was very kind of tip of the iceberg stuff. Would you agree? With yeah, that? it was. It was. You'll play some other quotes, but it, uh, most of it was so not about. The, no. <laughs> most of it was not about the Cardinals. You know, they asked about Aaron Rodgers. They asked about yeah. you know Steve Kime and you know what he looks for in, in drafts and stuff like that with the draft coming up. But it had a section on the Cardinals, but yes. it wasn't like some you know dirt. Sure, because you know Chris Chris Long, a longtime NFL guy. The audience is not tuning in to hear dirt on the Cardinals. I get it, uh, but here was a little bit, I guess, that was dirt adjacent. Steve Kimes reaction on the Greenlight podcast. The name of my band. Gravel. I like that, actually. That's not bad. Uh, The low facility grades that came out in the Players Association survey. No, man. Our stuff was functional. Functional. That's good. You listen, when Rocky beat Drago, how did he train? (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It's hard to argue with that. And our strength coach is a complete lunatic. He's an A+. I assume he's talking about Buddy Morris. Of course he is. Um, Who just got recruited over, by the way. Buddy kept his job, but did you see that? They completely upgraded the whole strength and conditioning. So there's somebody overseeing that whole department. Yeah, and I want to be very clear and fair to the Cardinals. They upgraded, they strengthened, they bolstered. Uh, and they, I, I joke and I say recruited over, but they they brought in people. Buddy's going to keep his job, uh-huh. and now there's a whole there's a whole team of people uh-huh. working new age kind of stuff there. So the Cardinals are trying to make it better over there. Steve Kime also reflected on the signing of J.J. Watt, which came out of left field, and that was kind of a feather in the cap for Steve Kime as he revealed here signing J.J. Watt. You know, we, yeah. we we that shocked the world because J.J. was quiet, his agent. Michael Bidwar, owner, was quiet. I was quiet. And uh, truly showed that, you know, he goes on and posts a picture of himself squatting with a Cardinal shirt on. Yeah. And he's like, source me. You know, and it, <laughs> it, it, I think it broke the Internet for a few hours. Yeah. Yeah, the the scoopage. He got the scoopage. Uh, but the, I think the cool thing about like that in today's day and age with everything getting out, yeah. I think something like that was really cool to show, number one, the type of organization we were in terms of keeping things quiet, his ability to keep things quiet, and the agent as well. Um, 
and the way it played out, just to shock everybody, to go to a team that was listed, John, John Clayton, God rest his soul, at the time put out yeah. uh, three teams that were the finalists, and we weren't one of them. Well, ironic that uh, Steve is patting himself on the back for keeping it quiet when about a year and a half later, J.J. Watt had the heart issue, and somebody in the organization leaked it to Jay Glazer, and J.J. Watt lost his you-know-what mm-hmm. uh, that that got out. And it was pretty clear where it got out from and who it came out from. So J.J. Watt was none too happy well, about the leaks coming out. J.J. Watt, again, but it was, it was, I believe it was before a game, actually addressed it because, hey, this is going to come out. So here, here's the news. So he, he, yeah, it came. But he was he was pissed that it, that it came out. As well he should have. Somebody, somebody leaked this yes. out to Jay Glazer yes. who wasn't supposed to. So now I have to address this. But isn't that, I mean... I just, I just, I found that kind of interesting. I don't know. Like, it was interesting to me to to, to focus as, on that as a as a positive. I, I don't think that's any organization's goal is to keep things secret. I mean, the Cardinals have been, kept other things very quiet uh, that people want to know about in their tumultuous season of last year. But, you know, that's the feather in the cap is like, we... We, we signed J.J. Watt. And, and we, we were able to keep we, it secret. Yeah, and, but we, and a lot of that happened the, you know, in, in the DeAndre Hopkins deal, too. There wasn't a whole lot of you know, now, information there, leading now, up there to not that. A lot of, not a lot of organizational feathers in the cap the last... Which is weird for a team named after a bird. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, Steve, hey, listen, at the end of Steve Kimes' tenure, it wasn't good. It wasn't. He gets, he gets a lot of credit for building that 2015 team. For acquiring Carson Palmer, I do want to say that he made he made oh. some 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 great moves. He got that team one game short of the Super Bowl. Absolutely, if they would have maybe played Carolina here instead of there, maybe that team is in the Super Bowl. They were that good. He did one hell of a job, and then after that, he did not. It was a total roller coaster for a decade. One hundred percent high highs and very low lows. So Steve, Steve gets a lot of credit mm-hmm. for the first part of his tenure, and then it did not go so well. We'll have more on the uh, Steve Kime appearance on the Greenlight Podcast. Uh, he had a lot of interesting things to say. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell takes us through the big stories on this Friday, the Rush Hour reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on this Friday morning on what apparently is indeed Sarah Palooza Day. Sarah Palooza. I didn't pick this song. I actually didn't pick any of the songs. My better half did. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, it's four for four so far. Good job. <laughs> We're going to go through the top stories of the day now here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I'm Sarah Cazell with Vince Murata. It's Friday. I'm in love. Tim Ring here. Hey, Yankees, you can take your apology out of your trophy and shove it straight up your... <laughs> Great cut there. <laughs> and Jarek Carlin. Don't want your life. I 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 don't want your life. <laughs> you just keep that going for the next yes, minutes. please. I, I would absolutely. Do you want my life? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I want you back in my life. <laughs> All right, let's get into the top story. Vanderbeek rules. Yes. 
The Suns are winning and winning and winning and winning. They beat the Nuggets last night. 119-115, which I think we all expected, given that Denver was sitting everybody. But that is win number seven in a row for Phoenix. They are now 8-0 with Kevin Durant on the court, by the way. This morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, Jason Fitz said he is amazed by just how easy everything looks for the Suns with Kevin Durant. It's become so easy so quickly. And that speaks to KD and his greatness. That he can come into a situation that's already there, find the real spot for him, and say, look, I'm going to get my I'm going to be fine. You know, but the fact that they've made it look so easy is unprecedented. Like, uh, and not just 8 no with KD, but the fact that the ball movement's been easy. There's been no rumblings of any issues. Nobody seems to uh, be sitting there having an ego problem either. Nobody seems to be wishing they were getting fed more. Like, everything about Phoenix, when you watch them play right now, looks easy. And that's scary going into the playoffs. I- All right. Not to disrespect them, but I don't think they're watching as much Suns basketball as you two are. No. Vince and Tim. So let's let's nitpick a little bit. Does everything look easy for the Phoenix Suns right now? Let's nitpick a lot, Sarah. I, <laughs> yeah, I like we? Jason Fitz, but I don't I don't agree at all with with what he said. Now, if you're just looking at the results and you see eight and with Kevin Durant, yes, it's winning. And Kevin Durant, I mean the stat on him specifically, I think on teams Kevin Durant has played for what is it, twenty five and two in the last twenty seven? He's won twenty five of his last twenty seven games. That's ridiculous. <laughs> he does make the game easier for everybody else who's wearing the same uniform as him. But I mean, last night was not easy. Uh, if you go back to the Oklahoma City game, that wasn't easy. The Minnesota game, there were struggles there. You know, they had some easy times in Kevin Durant's first three games, but that Dallas game wasn't easy. Um, and you know, the Suns are also freely talking about how much they still need to figure out at this point. So yeah, I, I disagree with that. Winning is one thing, uh, but I think it's almost disingenuous or disrespectful to the opponents to just say it's easy. The Suns are getting it done. I'll say that much. Winning is good. They are getting it done. They are lining. Say that like Charlie Sheen. Winning, winning, winning. winning. Um, They have not had a. They have not had that marquee win with Durant yet. No. The, the closest one... I mean, one, the game winner versus Dallas. The closest one is the game on the road at Dallas. But at last check, Dallas is not even a playoff right. team right now. So, yeah, at the time, that was a big win. And Durant hit a big shot to win that game. So I'm not going to take that win away from them. So that is the closest yes. game they have right now to a marquee win. But they don't have, like, a win at Golden State. They don't have a win in Boston with sure. Durant. They don't have a win against the Bucks with Durant where you're like, all right, that team just went out and proved it can, it can, it, it is one of the best teams in basketball. I, and I'm not saying that they're not. I'm just saying that if, if you look at the body of work, Sarah, with Durant, that's the one thing to me missing on the resume so far as we head uh, to the playoffs. Okay, so speaking of the playoffs, uh, we've got two games left for the Suns this regular season. They have the Lakers tonight starting at 7.30. That'll be on the Arizona Sports app in 98.7. And then they play the Clippers at home on Sunday. And that is it until the playoffs. We've talked a lot from the Suns' perspective about should they rest their stars to protect them. But then on the other hand, there is the ability, if they keep going full bore, to like manipulate the standings and control who they play in the playoffs, you know, if they actually try to keep winning their games. So what is more important? Resting their stars, resting their players, or trying to kind of manipulate who they're able to play in the first round of, of the postseason? 
I, right now, as I weigh the two options, I think resting. Yeah, I think the health of the I think the health of their playoff, yeah. the, the health of their playoff players heading into the playoffs. Sarah, I, I, I no that, that's got it. I yeah. think to trying to play those kind of games. I, I think it just lead yeah. lead to lead to some trouble. If there was one team that was on your possible list of opponents where you're like, all right, we match up great with them, they're not that good, maybe I could see doing that. But you got four options for a first round opponent really right now, and all four of them are gonna be tough. So yeah. I, I don't I don't think you gain much. Fair enough. Let's get to the D backs. They lost to the Dodgers last night in the Diamondbacks home opener five two. If you had that new uh Euro stand or barbecue stand, tweet me at Sarah because I want to hear how it was. Uh, <laughs> this really was important to me. Merrill Kelly gave up four runs in uh, five and two-thirds innings, six hits, four walks, four strikeouts. Tonight, in game two of four against the Dodgers, Merrill, uh, or excuse me, Madison Bumgarner is going to make his second start of the season. Uh, we saw how it went uh, last weekend against the Dodgers. Five runs, four hits, and four walks in a 10-1 loss. He got an MRI on Monday. Uh, to address the arm fatigue or try to get to the root of the arm fatigue. There was nothing. Everything is fine, said Tori Lovello. So really, that means actually everything is definitely not fine if there wasn't actually an issue. Guys, if Madison Bumgarner has another bad start tonight, what are the Diamondbacks supposed to do with him? Do they keep him in the rotation? Yeah, I've been talking about the short leash, but I will say this. How about the bats pick up Madison Bumgarner a little bit? Give the guy a little bit of a cushion maybe to work with instead of getting blown out by nine runs. And, and yes, he he dug the hole. He gave up the early grand slam last weekend to Trace Thompson. I get it. But um, that, I mean, I, I don't want to completely veer away from the question you asked. Yes, I'm concerned about Madison Bumgarner and his place in the rotation, although I think the Diamondbacks have options right, to but, make up for it. But I'm way more concerned about the offense right but, now. But, but, Vinny, if he gives up five runs in the first, and even if the D-backs come back with sure. seven in the bottom of the first, it doesn't change the Madison Bumgarner problem. Mm-hmm. That would the put conundrum. A, a seven-run inning would put a Band-Aid on it. It though. would help. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, again, I... There, there, there's, there's, there's financial concerns here. I get that, but at some point, you owe it to your clubhouse not to continue to run a guy out there who can't get the job done. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of history with Madison Bumgarner in this yeah. league. A lot of success, a lot of pride, a lot of respect. That, yeah. that, that, that dude has more. <laughs> there's a lot of pride there and a lot of toughness. But at some point, you got to do what's best for your ball club. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. They play tonight at six forty. By the way, at Chase Field, game two. That'll be on uh, the Arizona. Sports app and ESPN 620. There you go. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. All rebooted. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, yeah, we're headed into the final weekend of the NBA. Some headlines and storylines to follow straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Bitly and Murata mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Is Jordan Ham 5 for 5? Yes, he is. I'm screaming over here. You know what? I, I always have the same feeling when I hear this song. And that feeling is, man, I feel like a woman. <laughs> you just want to put on your rhinestone boots. Your cute little denim shorts. Uh. I always think of that video and say, man, is that woman good looking? 
True. Good gravy. What a Good woman. Good gravy. Jared, how long is the Sarah Palooza list? What did I say? 15, 15 songs. So we have enough Man. to fill out the rest of the show. Hambone doing work. <laughs> the great Hambino. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here's an NBA development that we can all get behind tonight, and that is the Dallas Mavericks clinging to their playoff relevancy, their playoff possibility lives. Tonight, the Dallas Mavericks have a game. Their game is at home against the Chicago Bulls. If the Mavericks lose, they're out. Out of contention for the play-in tournament. That is astounding. I read something. I mean, go ahead. The, the, there was like a 65% chance that the Mavericks on, on all the probability matrices, if you will, matrices, 65% chance the Mavericks were a playoff team when the deal for Kyrie Irving went down. You know what that number is now? Six. Six. Six percent. There was talk, does Kyrie Irving put the Mavericks in a position to win a title when that trade happened? Yes. And let's not forget, <laughs> Dallas swings the deal. It becomes known pretty soon after that the Suns were sniffing around Kyrie Irving in a different deal with Brooklyn. Oh, oh yeah. man, oh, man, oh, man. And that was before we learned of the Kevin Durant deal, which happened, I think, 48 hours later. There are still, there are still rumblings that the Suns may still sniff around Kyrie Irving in the offseason. I'll go on record right now. Regardless of what happens the rest of the way with the Suns, you don't want to get into that business. He's obviously toxic, and I don't care what his current teammates say about him. Everywhere he goes, save the Cavs championship year, Stuff goes south. <laughs> Kyrie Irving was in a different place then. He was a he's he was kind of a different guy then. He's always been complicated. That's the nicest way I can put it. But he wasn't it, in his time with with Cleveland, especially culminating in that championship. But there then was it, nothing difficult about him. But then he asked nothing out. controversial but about then, him. But the fact he wanted out yes. was the first clue. Like yes. I don't want what. What? I wouldn't want to be in the Kyrie Irving business. And I know there's a lot of debate right now, and you know my stance on anybody who listens to this show knows my stance on Luka Doncic. Stephen A. Smith went on first take this week, and he said, look, Kyrie Irving's not the problem. There's no leaders there. Tim Hardaway Jr. had to comment on his father, his commentary that his father made on the, on the Craig Carton show on Fox Sports said they don't have any leaders there. And Tim Hardaway Jr. is like, he's my dad, I love him, but he's wrong. Like, Luca's a leader. And Tim Hardaway saying something moronic, that's not like him. <laughs> no, but, but hang on, though. Was he, though? Because, I mean, players are always going to defend their, their current, current situation. Their current situation. Mm-hmm. You, you might get three years beyond this when Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing for the Nuggets, and he may say, oh, yeah, that team had no leaders. Mm-hmm. So just because he says it now... Doesn't mean it's true. And Tim, Tim Hardaway Sr. may be exactly right. I mean, Luca made the comments about how much they miss Jalen Brunson. He's been gone the whole year. Mark Cuban comes out and says, we never had a shot to retain Jalen Brunson because his father got involved in the negotiations and kind of steered him towards New York. I'm not buying that either. They were, they were tardy to the party on Jalen Brunson. They could have taken care of him. And obviously, he had a great season last year and, and upped his stock. But man, 
You want to talk about egg on the face. It's it's heartwarming to see what Dallas is going through. I got a quick story. I got a quick story. So I I uh, I was texting with some somebody on the Mavericks coaching staff after the trade and it was just it was a pleasant conversation. I said, "Hey, listen, what you how, how's this going to work with two ball dominant guards in the fourth quarter?" Um you know, you guys in the final in the final five minutes of a game, how's that going to work? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't a it wasn't an attacking text. I was just actually curious. He goes, "Well, you know, if we play the way we're supposed to play, you know, the, these games aren't going to be close in the fourth quarter." <laughs> <laughs> I want to screen grab that text in a, in a perfect it back to, world and send it back to. How about now? <laughs> <laughs> just check. Just circling back around on this question. Yeah. <laughs> Here they are, thirty-eight and forty-two, and now they're talking about you know signing Kyrie to an extension. Of course, he's probably not going to want to stay there. I mean, he's so cuckoo for cocoa puffs. He's probably going to. He's probably got his. He probably is going to want to go to the Lakers. They all do. <laughs> I would mention that. Yeah, you mentioned the the what if thing. That's that could be one of the great what ifs. What if the Suns had traded for Kyrie instead of KD? I think we would be having. A very similar, a very similar discussion on maybe a team going into a Friday night game being out if they lose, and that team might have been the Suns. Well, Mikkel, I think he's that destructive, but maybe that's just me. Mikel Bridges would be here. Chris Paul would not be here. I think that would have been a, that would have probably. I been. don't know. No, you don't think they would have asked for Mikel in that trade. Chris Paul would have been more of the key. I just look at the way trade. that Sean Marks held all the power. In that trade. Yes, it's a realization Kevin Durant doesn't want to be here. It's time to start over. But from from moment one, if it, you know, and, and knowing how those negotiations went down, they were insistent that Mikel Bridges was part of it. Suns didn't want to trade Mikel Bridges, but they controlled everything. In fact, even got more at the end by tacking on Jay Crowder. The Suns didn't want to give up Jay Crowder. Sean Marks held all the cards there. Sure he did, and he also got the he got the maximum four first round picks as well. But you know, and I think the Mavericks a, gave up two starters for Kyrie Irving and a lot of draft picks. I don't think I think Matt Ishbia pushed pushed. I think that deal was dead until Ishbia came in and said, "No, we're Absolute. giving up, we're giving up Bridges. Absolutely, we're, we're getting Durant." And you have to wonder. I, I wonder too. And, and and again, this is not tied to regret, but that was such a whirlwind because Matt Ishbia had. His taking over date the next day, the introductory press conference, had that been delayed? And we were talking about we were talking about how important it is for Matt Ishbia to take over control because there might have been complications in James Jones being able to make any deals at the deadline because of the 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 flux that the front office was in or the ownership situation was in. Had that takeover been 48 hours later, we wouldn't be talking about Kevin Durant being here because it would have been impossible. It's interesting. I talked to somebody, a a contact, a source, a friend actually at the league office in January, and I I said, listen, off the record, are you guys going to push this thing through the transition from Sarver to Ishbia before the trade deadline so the Suns can actually make a move? Because this is getting pretty ugly. I mean, the Suns can't move Jay Crowder. Nothing can happen. There are rumblings that Robert Sarver is blocking deals. Brian Windhorst wrote about it. Mm -hmm. And my guy at the league office said, no, I mean, there's due process that has to take place. I mean, they're not going to move away from their process. And he kind of flippantly said, we're not going to move away from our process just so the Suns can trade Jay Crowder. No, And and he kind of threw it back to me. I'm like, well, no, I mean, but if if there's hanky-panky going on and the the previous owner is, is, is damaging the potential growth of the franchise. Yeah. In any event, 
I don't know if the league expedited that transition or it, it just happened to get done in time. It was a short window of time, certainly. But I can guarantee you one, and I'm not alleging anything either. I think there was due process that went that that, that took place. But if the Suns go on and win a championship, you don't think people around the league are going to say that? Oh, the league bent over backwards so that trade could go through. That, the league won the championship for the Suns, which would be the ultimate irony for any Suns fan. Right. <laughs> Be a nice problem to have. And by the way, everybody, if they do win the championship, everybody who's been complaining about the Durant trade is not allowed to celebrate. <laughs> New rule. <laughs> New rule. Sit it out. You're not allowed to go to the parade. <laughs> You're not invited. Yes. I like everybody on my timeline and on my Facebook feed, Gary gave up too much. <laughs> He's oft injured. Mikel Bridges never misses a game. It's true. <laughs> Terrible uh, trade. Worst trade ever. All the, all the soccer dads I got to listen to every Saturday morning at <laughs> my daughter's game. We gave out too much. And what if they don't win the championship, Tim? Are you going to apologize to them? Ooh. Yes, I will. Oh. In, in four years, because yeah. we've got four years. That's it. Right. Boom, I marked it. That's oh. it. <laughs> yes. Tim, your, uh, your in, soccer game experience yes. might be a little bit uncomfortable In tomorrow. 2027, <laughs> I'll see you all at Bell Bank Park. Stop whining, dads. Game out, Tim Legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, announced his retirement at the end of the season. And we want to hear from you. You can text Al to 620-620, submit a video thanking Al for all he's done. We may even play yours on the air. Just text Al to 620-620. Coming up next, Suns have two games left in the regular season. And based on what we saw last night, should anybody play tonight or Sunday? We'll get into that and more Suns talk next. Here on this Friday, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ringin on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.